When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Go on and hit me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast uh the flats and shanks podcast uh, i am the flats part die flats and he is i'm the shank man do shank the tank um made up myself uh, you're right david it is our podcast because um we haven't sold out to any corporates yet have we any conglomerates uh, nah. nah we're not we're not we're not we're not like that mate are we we're not like that no the hey, the offers have been there haven't they the offers have been there and we thought, you know what we don't want to be controlled we don't want to be controlled like that. And actually, more to the point, we don't want to have to go to London to do our podcast every week, which is why we said no. It would be quite nice to retire now, though, wouldn't it? Which we probably could have done. Yeah. You seen that You seen that video going around on WhatsApp of um, a represent, representation by grains of rice of how much money Jeff Bezos, the Amazon boss, is say, yeah, CEO, is worth? Nope. It is hilarious. It's like each grain of rice is $100,000. So like here's three little grains of rice. That's your Lamborghini. And then it shows you his pile, and it is hilarious. And he's got a new house worth 145 million. So there's a little pile. That's his house. Mm. And it, then it's next to this massive stack of rice, and this guy's counted out every individual grain of rice. And it's like, but does he own his own podcast? Yes, he probably does. Mm, I didn't see it, mate, because me no get an agenda. Um, but send it on. No send it, it on. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Make a make a nice change from the other stuff you send on WhatsApp. Andy Hazel sent me that, Gloucester legend, okay. uh, one of the greatest of all time, uh, Cherry and White, he sent me that, um, he loves that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so the, the podcast thing's an interesting one because everyone's got a podcast now, fella, um, but we were the originals, we were the first podcast in the whole world, did you know that? I'm tr- yeah, I'm trying to think of people that don't have a podcast because it's really difficult. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Johnny Wilkinson see? hasn't got one, Johnny Wilkinson hasn't got one. Well, is he part of Vitality Podcast? Uh, he probably is. 
I remember when we got a call from that brand, we won't say their name in case we get into trouble, but they said, we would like to offer you 30 minutes with Maru Itoji on your podcast if you would like to drive to Twickenham on Tuesday afternoon. It was like, uh, I've got a job. Shanks has got a job at this point. I had a job at that point. You had a job. It was like, we have to take half a day's unpaid leave, drive there for 30 full minutes. Full day, mate. And we're at full day, of course. And we we're like, no, no, we'll just, we can just call him and get him on, thanks. We're one of the lads. Still haven't had him on. Worst thing about... <laughs> we never asked him, like, but we should do. <laughs> the worst thing about going to Twickenham, I always think, is that people have different ways to get to Twickenham. Now, you live on the M4, the same as me. I just live a little bit further mm. down. Now, I go M3 and I cut across Bracknell, right? So I come yeah. on the M4, I think you get off at Junction 9, you cut across Bracknell, you come down the M3 straight into Twickenham. Of course right? you do. Of course you do. The problem with coming home, though, is that you pass a petrol station, which has got Waitrose in. Lovely. It's a yeah, shell, shell one. one. But yeah. right next door is a KFC. And when KFC, you get out of the boy. car to fill your car up, because it's always a good place to stop, it's not too busy, yeah. the smell hits you. And yeah. I find it very difficult to say no. And I play, I box the chimp on my shoulder, mate. It's the chimp paradox. Yeah. And the chimp wins. The chimp wins. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'm good and I take a little bit of the skin off and just eat the pure chicken protein yeah real good chicken Killing love the himself, adverts yeah. from kfc ah oh, nice bit of chicken here bash it together yeah put in a little bit of crumbs. crumbs oh, it's good for you it's good for you um that's what they portray but the thing is do you know why i'm so lucky because you don't I'm put make weight up on i yeah exactly i just can't put weight on no matter what i eat i the smell of kfc makes me think of food poisoning a bad experience I haven't. Tenerife. That's no? that's that I have not had a bad experience. My body thinks it has, but it hasn't. So like I went to Wagamama's years ago, and I got a wag. I had Wagamama's tempura prawns, and I was uh, spewing all that night. And I've been. I can't. I've been back to Wagamama's since, but I think the feet. You know, when you something's poisoned you, you never want it again. Like a dog, like you learn. For some reason, the smell of the tempura prawns is so similar to KFC that I can't go in there. So I've skipped that. Mind you, I did have a drive through Mackie D's on Tuesday. Ah, so welcome back. It was, a treat, it was a treat for the kids, boys. It was a treat for the kids. And it was like, look, do you know what? Because they, they walked into town um, on Sunday to go. They wanted to go to Starbucks. They don't really want coffee or milkshake. They want one of the plastic Starbucks cups that someone had on TikTok or something. They're don't talk to me TikTok, about plastic, mate. Well, the, exactly. The so world like, is anyway, it was shut. I know. Oh, they were shut, luckily. So they were very disappointed. They didn't get their little shaky thing. So I said, right, we will go and you can have one burger and a bag of carrots. How um, did you get a drive through then if you walked into town? No, they walked in to get a Starbucks cup and Starbucks was shut on the Sunday. Yeah. Or on, on, on the Monday, rather. So on Tuesday, to make up for it, I took them for a ah. Mackie D's drive through and it was ace. Mm. What do you have? And I had a Big Mac meal of... <laughs> Do you know what I find? I find people on Twitter, and a lot of them are joking, but I find them hammering people for like queuing up for McDonald's and people like idiots because there was this picture when, when it went um, fungal of the big queue when Bath Mackey D's opened up. Yeah. And I was like, look at these idiots. I understand if you're clogging up the A4, it's a bit annoying for a drive through. Look at these muppets. Like, finally, lockdown's easing, and the first thing I want to do is a McDonald's. It's like, it's nothing to do with McDonald's, mate. It's just something fun and easy and different. And I'll tell you what it is, mate. It's having some food where you don't have to cook for yourself. Or clear up. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just, you know. And it's a treat. It's a, like, we, we have them now and again as a treat for the kids, you know. Yeah. You're allowed at McDonald's to say, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's just, it's something different, isn't it? From cooking in your house and it tastes yeah. good. And yeah, right, it's not great for you, but we're not having them every day. And you can feed a family of 14 for £7.60. Um, admittedly, it's not actual food. Do you know what is uh, what was really noticeable was something I noticed a couple of years ago, because I used to now and again drop in on the way back from the Rico or whatever and think, oh, go on then. Martin Bayfield said to me that he got to a point where he had three Mackey D's in a day. His, his breakfast, lunch and dinner I've were done all it. Mackey D's. I've done on it. Road. Mostly oh, on stag do's. Yeah, yeah, but he, he said he just felt so exhausted at the end of that day because he had no real fuel in him. I noticed that I was driving home, feeling fine, grabbing a drive through Mackie D's and then feeling really sleepy. And it was when I pulled off the motorway to sleep because I couldn't keep my eyes open that I realised, oh my God, I reckon it's this food. So we had Mackie D's, an hour and a half, two hours after the Mackie D's, I am falling, as my eyes are closing on the sofa at home and the kids have slumped into their worst moods of lockdown. It was, it, we were looking at each other, like the grown-ups looking at each other, like, oh my God, I said mm. this might happen. They completely fell away. Like, it's the worst afternoon they've had. Had the crash. In terms of mood. Yeah, properly crashed. Yeah. So it's obviously just really bad gear that we ate. But, um, yeah, it's, so like tasting, you can, it's like you can leave a, a burger, can't you, for years and years, and you'll open it and it'll look exactly the same. And your, yeah, your, probably, stomach, yeah. your stomach's got to digest that. Um, before I forget flats, right, I've had a, a message from Ross Harris. Um, Harry's, Ross Harry's. You know our me. friend Ross Harris. Um, Harry's. Yeah. Likes everyone. You know, doesn't have any enemies whatsoever. And for me, I can't fully trust him for that. You've got to have enemies. There's got to be people you don't like. Yeah. He's and a I, Labrador in Chinos. And I was just having to think, just before we come on this podcast, of people I don't like. And yeah. there's a few, there's a few, and you might want to add to this list. Um, yeah. Now I thought of slow playing golf. Hate that. Mm. Hate that. That's one of my biggest hates. So don't like that. Slow drivers. You agree with me there? And I'm not talking yeah. about people who who's going over the speed limit, but way under the speed limit. You know, they're going 25 miles an hour in a 40 zone. Like what? I had a 35 and a 60 yesterday, fella. Yeah. 20 minutes. Exactly, yeah. mate. Um, it's not right. People who are queuing for drinks as a group of people, but then decide to buy all their drinks individually. And sometimes they're cocktails. It takes forever. I'm like that. Oh, why don't you just chip it together, guys? And you can get a big round and then he's done. Um, yeah. Elderly people at airports. Don't like him, do you? At airports. You don't like the elderly. <laughs> going through airport security. Got no time for that. Um, oh, come on. Nana and Grandad going on holiday. All right, but... <laughs> Surely you've been on a plane before, right? We're in the 21st century now. Surely you know you've got to take everything off. Um, not all your clothes, but your phone's got to come out your pocket. Your belt's got to come off. You know, and it's not just elderly people. You know, it's it's all types of people, but they are the worst. And I'm just stood behind. I've got everything out. I've got my iPad in a separate case, ready, straight through. Um, people humming as well. I thought. Okay. Why hum? Um, Why hum? You know, that is, going up an I mean, escalator, that, going like this. That's the grump. It's the mardiest you've been. This I'm like a tough week, isn't you? No, great week, mate. Same as every. I tell you what, I like this. This is a like one. This is a like people who say you're on the phone to them, or you're standing at a counter waiting for something, or you go to screw fix and you say, "Mate, you got one of these plugs," and the the like the whoever it is behind the counter plugs it in. It's have a look, and they go, 
Like they can't, the uncomfortable silence. I like that. Tell you what, I, I don't mind old people. Look. The reason slow drivers are one, my, my main my main bugbears, are, are, there are two. One is the slow driver, same as you. I don't mind someone doing 50 in a 60. Get over it. We're all grown up. It's not going to get you there that much quicker doing 61. But 35 in a 60, 40 in a 60, I think, well, first of all, I think they don't know the speed limit. So chill out. I, when I was a bit younger, I probably would have tried to race past them and be a bit of a knob about it. Now, yesterday, I was like, well, it's not their fault, but you're going past signs with national speed limit signs every so often, and it tells you. And you go through a village, they're doing 35 in a 30, and then it's like national speed limit, and their speed doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And I've got two my little kids in the back. I'm not going to start overtaking. So it's like normally I would ease past them, but there was no way. And I thought, this is actually quite antisocial. Like if I was a police, I often dream about being a policeman, flashing the lights and saying, look, you're not in trouble, but do you know how slow you're going? You're going to force somebody at some point will get impatient and will overtake you and it could when they shouldn't. Yep. Or they might do. So sort it out. Also, middle lane hogs, are my, they're my number one by a mile. Okay, yeah. I'm a flasher. I'm a proper flasher of middle lane hogs because they get they're getting it wrong. Mm. Oh, found something out this week on that subject. Um, I thought I was. I thought I got told it at a speed awareness course. I did, but people keep telling me I'm wrong when I mention it. But turns out I'm, it was right. It was correct information. You indicate to overtake on a motorway. You don't indicate left on a motorway because it's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to just overtake and pull straight back to the left. So when you indicate right, fine, but then you just drift to the left. And that's why you're not allowed to undertake because every car to the right of you should be able to drift left mm. without, you know, they've got to look, but you don't have to, you don't have to indicate left. Okay. On the motorway, you know. There you are. Okay. Get, get three points if you do. But anyway, we diverse a little bit, but Ross Harris, right? Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah. Alfred, you know, I saw him once flats with, uh, with his top off um, as just before we were sort of getting changed to go on air for Premier Sports. Incredibly moly. Doesn't look right. like it, but proper. You could have a proper dot to dot on his back. Um, Lucky bloke. If you go past the hair, um, little beard dandruff as well. But anyway, um, his book. I get that. Yeah, do you? Yeah. His book behind the dragon, which um, I've done a little bit with as well. Um, thank me later. Um, has been um, shortlisted for rugby book of the year for the Telegraph. Brilliant. Mm. Mm. Brilliant. What's it about? Um, I'm not actually sure. Mm, well, I think it's about bad. music, I think, mate. Oh, good but on him. It's actually a decent read. Um, from It's very diverse in loads of different um, rugby players throughout the year have given you their, um, given you their look on the, on the Welsh team and rugby. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's done all right. Well done, Ross Harry's. Mm. Excellent. Mm. Yeah, that's good news. Good on him. Um, I uh, I read a poem that a friend of mine <laughs> wrote. You read uh, poems. I didn't read a poem. No, I got sent it on WhatsApp. I don't actually read poetry. Um, you know, leave that to clever people. But um, never really got into that. But my friend, a friend who wrote a book a few years ago and won awards for it, um, she has written a poem and it is really, really good and it's going to get published into a kid's book. Um but it got me thinking, you and I got to do a kid's book. Mm. Gus and Fred, Pet Detectives, mate. We wrote the draft. We had a draft. I had a draft. I sent it to my mate Alex Barton, who listens to this pod. Um, he's one of the most obnoxious people I've ever met. Um, and But a nice guy. 
and he uh his wife chloe is a is an editor so i sent it to her about three years ago and never heard back so i hope presumably it's not very good but there we are do you do a draft like max and paddy magnet and steel is it like that yeah Little drawing exactly yeah, um, exactly flats we've got a couple of guests on today um now mm. we are going pretty quick through the, the time here and we we got to make sure that we get them in first up we have lou reed um now i'm not sure you've heard too much of lou reed um but larger than life he's actually a massive bloke as well played second row um scarlets mostly the blues as well um i think five welsh caps i believe i mean i probably should know this but um as i'm speaking through this introduction very slow i'm also wikipedia him and it's yeah five princes for wales um, from 2012 so he's gonna come on now this is a funny bloke right um a little bit nervous we had to write out a few questions to ask him but big man's nervous is he in terms of characters He's up there with Powley, all right? Yeah. Um, so he's going to come on. And also, you've lined up someone else, haven't you? So we're, yeah, we're getting double um, bubble we're today. Get, yeah, we're getting the man. We're getting Hambo on. Matt Ampson's coming on. Uh, we're going to talk to Hambo about his foundation, about the Get Busy Living Centre, about what lockdown has done for him, What's it? what it's done for his charity. Um, has it stopped them raising money? Has it stopped them helping people? Um, he's looking forward to a bit of rugged coming back. The, the one thing about Hambo is that he's Leicester Tigers through and through. And because you and I are so neutral, you know, we've got a balanced view on things, but you know what his Leicester mutes are like, you know. So he's a bit him. of a Leicester Tiger. Yeah. And, you know, just, you just, they're difficult to get on with, um, except the fact that they're not. They are. Um, and it, the worst thing is, like, you get, when you get to know, like, Tom Youngs and Dan Cole and Tom Croft and, Jono and those guys it's like the killer the absolute killer is that they're all really really nice and you but they were very very easy to dislike on the field I'll say that mm. um, they're all really nice and, but Hambo's not like that he's horrible so uh, we'll get him on uh, and we'll get stuck into him right um, it's time to call the big man life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. See, we got him, Flats. Um, we got him. Fourth time lucky now in this recording because oh. where he lives, I don't think they have any Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> Lou Reed, great to have you on. How are yeah. you, big man? Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, sorry about the Wi-Fi, but I do live in a little valley and uh, we struggle up here sometimes to get connection for everything. So I'm doing all right. Thanks, boys. Great to be on. Yeah. How's yeah. lockdown? Are you are you getting through all right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, lockdown's been good to me. Uh, you know, as far as um, being locked up and having to work from home, we've managed it quite well. Uh, we've got childcare, we've got our health and, you know, I'm doing well compared to a lot of people. So I'm really happy with it. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. I mean, I, I kind of wanted I wanted you to be a bit more smug about it so that we could we could so we could publicly shame you because that is quite fashionable at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before, are you um are you like one of these? Uh, I'm going to ask you about your your job in a minute, but are you yeah. one of these ex pros that Chris Hoy mentioned this thing on TV once called D training? So like when you've been a pro for years, mm. you've got to D train. You can't just stop. You can't just stop. You've got to train yourself out of it for like a year or so. I didn't do that. Um, have you done that? Are you still in great shape or are you actually a bit of a mess now? I've never been in great... I was When I was in great shape, I just, I'm a sort of like, uh, no offence, but to Tony Bellew, I'm a, I'm a similar shape to Tony Bellew, yeah. I think. You know, when, you, when yeah. you train as much as you want, when you don't see a muscle or a vein, I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, had six, I had six months off once with a broken ankle and I did bench press and chins for six months and nothing happened to me. <laughs> you didn't even get stronger. No, I didn't even. I was still swinging around like a big orangutan. Do you know, Lou? Do you know uh, a Welsh prop called Aaron Jarvis? Yeah, Jarvis. Yeah. You know Jarvis. So Jarvo and I played for quite a lot, quite a few years together at Bath, and um, we did this thing. Where they fitness test you on basically day three of pre-season or something, and you got your heart rate monitor on and your GPS, and they got your figures, and they say, right, this is your max. You're you are a hundred percent effort or ninety six percent effort, whatever it is, and you've achieved this. So we did eight weeks of pre-season and then two weeks before the season started or whatever, we did testing again just to see where we were. Mm. And I remember Jarv was 104 and I was 106% effort. So yeah. we basically tried even harder than we had before. And we our, our results were exactly the same to the second on the fitness <laughs> test. It was like, you have done eight weeks and yeah. nothing has changed. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, just happens, doesn't it? Have you um, yeah. got a little garage converted into a gym? Uh, I haven't seen any sessions posted online nah, by you. Nah. The only, the, the one thing I did do is I did a thousand miles in May on a, on a Watt bike. Oh, I did for Belindra. Yeah, so I did that. Oh, well done. Did, yeah, so I, I cracked on with that. And to be honest, I didn't lose any weight either. So I don't know what's going on with my body. <laughs> that's because you had chump bars tucked yeah, into I know, your likeness as well. That's the thing. I took the old new... You know what these cyclists, you see them all with their gels and stuff. I took yeah. that to the extreme and I was... Uh, <laughs> I was necking pints of cork and stuff to get me through it. I've done um, <laughs> a cycle from North Wales to South Wales, whatever, um, for charity. Again, forget about it. Um, and when you're cycling, you have this misconception that you can just eat whatever you want. And it was yeah. hot as well. Um, so there's Monster Munch, sweets nonstop. I put on weight. Somehow, yeah. I put on weight. I looked down, I thought after four days, I thought, well, I'm going to at least see an ab. Saw nothing. Saw a few little rolls. And yeah. I thought, that's it. I'm giving up cycling now. Um, well, it's like, boy, a few years me. ago, and I, I did John. I don't want to go on about it, lads, but I did John O'Groats to Land's End. 
Yeah, I've uh, done the world, mate. Hills. I've done the world. So we right? did um, we did Cycle 998 miles in nine days. I don't want to go on about it, but camping on the floor. And uh, I started the event at 123 kilos, and I finished it at 123 kilos on the nose. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but it's the weeks afterwards you really burn it off. One week afterwards, I was 123. A week after that, I was 125. So <laughs> a thousand miles in nine days, it doesn't work. It's like the reason cyclists, I think you've got to do it for years and years and years, but we're just not meant to do it. Anyway, what's your, what's your job now, Lou? What are you doing? Um, yeah, I work in the, the medical, uh, I'm a medical rep. I work for a company called Aureus Medical, a big German company. Uh, it sells bone cement into hospitals from South Wales, Swindon, Cheltenham, Gloucester, Hereford. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you're in a you're so, in a car you don't quite fit in because you're a giant <laughs> and you're doing about forty thousand miles a year on the M4. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing: eating and eating and drinking whatever I like on the way up the M4. Like that's when you it. when you turn up to hospitals um, and you and you're going in there to work and to show people the products, do, do you get any funny yeah. looks from nurses from doctors thinking, "Oh, hi sir, what what are you in for?" Yeah, usually I get well. Your head again. Believe, believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, right? I've hit my head plenty of times walking at these hospitals, but believe it or not, there's loads and loads of rugby boys doing this job. So they all, you will walk through a hospital in whichever place you are, and it'll be a big giant walking towards you and looking the same as well. So <laughs> I don't think it's it's one of them industries where sports people seem to get drawn drawn to, and especially in Wales, yeah. you can see Garth Llewellyn or yeah. Mark Lewis, who you'd know, Shanks. Yeah. Um, you know, all these boys are walking towards you, so they do see big men every day. In there, do you have to be careful about like what you're talking about because there's, you know, essentially people dying around you, and you're and you're chatting about this time you had a late tackle on someone in a derby game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is like that. And in hospitals, you've got to be. Caught. I, I am always, uh, you know, worried about what I say in general, let alone in work. <laughs> but um, especially in hospitals, because people go there to, you know, to people get born and then people die, and you don't really know what. Yeah, people's days are going like so. I usually add the Costa first to you know, gather my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay, so, give me super energy <laughs> and, and, and kill off an hour and put on expenses. Yeah, we yeah. yeah that's do, you, it. Uh, do you do you have to? Here's one, right? Um, so a bloke I used to play rugby with turned when we were kids turned into basically like a power lifter, right? He's absolutely enormous, and he's also a doctor. And every now and again, he'll send a picture on whatever, and his him in his like. What do you, I don't know what you call it, doctor's uniforms, his blue, the blue yeah. papery kind of stuff they wear. Theme night. And it doesn't doesn't fit him. It doesn't he looks absolutely ridiculous <laughs> at work. So he, he has to cut slits for his biceps and cut slits for his calves and stuff in his kit. So do you ever have to dress up or are you allowed to wear your civvies? No, no, you've got to dress up. I put, I, uh, I wear Crocs and, uh, you know. Hey! <laughs> I, wear, I wear big size 14 Crocs. Um, and then I wear these these little blue, like uh, like you say, it looks like a bed sheet, really. Well, um, but they're never really long enough for me and they're never big enough, so I do look like a cheeky girl hopping on the place. I suppose the po- most positive <laughs> thing there is that you already had the Crocs, so you didn't have to... <laughs> I, got stash, <laughs> I got a good stash of Crocs, so ready to go. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. We should talk about your, your time in rugby now. You start off yeah. with the Scarlets. Now, I assume you had plenty of fun there, especially the era you were there, but who would be one of the players, Lou, that you would have looked up to as a kid? Um Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, like you say, I had a lot of fun at the Scarlets because it was professional at the time. But I think being at Stradley Park and um, yeah. ac- academies just being sort of 
toyed with, we were still sort of on the edge of being professional, but not doing anything professional, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, mm. as, as in, you'd go out to an away trip and it'd be, it'd be a game on a Saturday, but we would have flown out on the Friday, so you'd have a day in a hotel with the boys after a team run. You'd have a, a game, and then you'd have a good crack after that type of thing. That type of thing. Yeah. So when I first started with the Scarlets, I was instantly taken under the wing of uh, Vernon Cooper, mm. and uh, he was uh, he, he was exactly how I imagined my life being at the time that he was. So I thought to myself, I'll stick with Vern because he seems to have plenty of fun on and off the field. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing hill sprints with him um, in Pyle. And yeah. it was, uh, you know, you, you run for a certain amount of time, then you jog back, and he went missing for about half hour. You need yeah. shit in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he run up this hill, and he just comes out this tall grass, like he was an yeah. army soldier or someone, someone from the SAS. <laughs> Where have you been? He's like, oh, near the toilet. I had to go. But sensible, though. Really sensible. Well, He's got out half hour Do you remember, remember Shanks, like Lou, that we played, Shanks and I played at Sarri's years ago together, and we had a young fly half who was in his first pre-season called Matt Leak, Leakey. And two things stand out about Leakey. One is that Shanks had a punch-up with him in Tenerife. Yeah. <laughs> and one, he reckons, Leakey says the same. But the other thing was that um, before we did our first, we had this monument hill, I think it was called, this horrendous hill sprints. It wasn't really sprints, it was just uphill runs. They were horrendous, we were going to do. <laughs> and he came into the kitchen. I was like, mate, have you had your protein shake yet? And he's like, no, no. I was like, mate, go have your shake before we leave. Well, before we run, yeah, mate, everyone's had a shake. Quick, do it, because they'll go nuts if you haven't done it. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he quickly went into the kitchen, made this big shake with loads of bananas in it and protein powder, <laughs> chopped a, a litre, a pint of this protein shake, just shot let's go. Got in my car, drove him down there, run three, spewville. <laughs> he was running and spewing at the same time. Still being the I think so. If you're spewing or you're, you're doing a number two, then you know, you're, you're, like, you're able to get out of the session. You're able to have a little break. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so, really. um, who was um, you, you're good mates obviously with Bradley Davis yeah um, competition as well for, for places both played second row was yeah has he always been your mate or you know was this a friendship that sort of developed later on in life like, we've always really from you know schoolboy rugby really we he was from one end of the valley I was from the other and I sort of heard about him and I play against him and Obviously, it'd be a bit of bite there, but as soon as we met each other, really, we sort of, um, I don't know, the, the the feelings of hate towards him because of rugby went really, really quickly. And I, I really struggled to um, play against Bradley, to be honest. I know people say, oh, you should, you know, hate your opposition or whatever. There are people I've hated, but Bradley certainly was never one of them. Yeah, it's difficult to hate yeah, people you like, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is. And I I don't know Bradley Davis well, but I did a few things with him when he was at Wasps and then a few things when he's with the Wales camp. And he basically was like, <laughs> and I say this as a compliment, an enormous child. Yeah, like he was yeah. just dicking about the whole time. <laughs> like he just wouldn't stop. And he was great value. Absolutely yeah. great value. Um, here's a question for you. When, you. when you look back on your career, you hear like people like super achievers like, uh, like Gary Neville, uh, Tom Shanklin, who talk about their <laughs> career and all the trophies they won. Are you yeah. like me? Are you like me? Because I didn't win many trophies. I say, our oh, trophies aren't everything. They're memories. Memories are what I look back on. And if I'd won 10 trophies, I might talk about it, but I didn't. So <laughs> I, look at it, I, I, look, I look back and I think, I'm sure you won more than I did, but I look back and think, well, actually, it's the friends I made and the memories I made. Are you the same as me? Or are you a sort of a Gary Neville type who all, it, all, all that matters is the trophies you won? No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm like you. You know, it's um, for me. I, I, 
I don't think really about what I've won or what I or games I've lost or things I've done. It's just all about um, who's with me now and the people that I'm still cl- close with because of the way I was through my career. You know, mm. I've gone. I think I've got more kit men friends than rugby players because I was always in. <laughs> I was always in the kit man's fucking little dugout drinking <laughs> drinking coffee with them or something. You know, yeah, or or a little cleaner in the club or something. I would always just pull up a poo and have a chat to them. That was. You know, rugby for me was was uh, it was awesome. I loved playing and all that, but I also enjoyed just being around loads of men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know the feeling. As as Shank says, if you can't if you can't you know draw a picture of all your friends' genitals, then you're doing it wrong. Um, yeah, I know. But I I'm 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 like you. I've got obviously got mates that I played with, but. One of my best mates from my playing days at Bath is Jerry the Chef, Jerry Quinn. We go out riding our motorbikes like losers and we have a really good time. See him a lot. Kit yeah. man, Middy lives a couple of streets up. See him all the time. It's it's funny, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, you're friends with sort of the lads, but there's also a lot of other people that work there that you... Because it's actually, a, it's like a like any like anywhere. You work anywhere. It's like It could be like the Fast Show. You could have an episode of the fast show on the bloke that runs the car park on match days because he's always mad. Yeah. He's always oddball. And it's like he's he thinks like he thinks he's running he thinks he's running Brexit, you know. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a guy it. called Ray. Um and he, he sort of flitted around really the arms park. Sometimes he'd be on car park duty, other times he'd be buttering the bread with a fag in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <the> sandwiches <laughs> later on in the day. Um but I mean you're talking about memories there, Lou, but you know, you you still got five Welsh caps. Um, yeah. You know, so massive achievement there. But what was your time like in Welsh camp? I mean, did you have any yeah. deep conversations with Gats or Sean? <laughs> Could they understand you? Yeah. Well, my time in Welsh camp is a lot different to uh, most people's, and I can't really jazz it up much, to be honest. Because I was always the opposition team for a long, long time. I was always. You know, like I say, I'm, if it was Ireland, I would be rolled out as Ronagara. Yeah, yeah, I'd be Ronagara, <laughs> and I try and I try and take on Simon I, Gagan. I was <laughs> I was more of a I was more of a Leo Cullen, to be honest. With you. No, I, I um. Oh my dad. You know, and and it was um. You know, I, I was never really involved in the squad until someone was injured. Like, so I'd always hang around the fringes of it all, and when I'd ask Gats questions or Sean questions, it'd be. You know, have a look who's in front of you, sort of thing. And I, I you know, I, I was in an era of Welsh rugby where I had Luke Chartres, Alan Wynn, Bradley Davis, you know, Ian Evans, all Ryan Jones was flittering into the second row and back row, so yeah. we cover both. So I was in the middle of something that I don't think Wales has ever seen before with, with you know, an abundance of second row. So I knew my, um, I just concentrated on trying to be a, no, no, when you don't get picked and something, you can be a bit of a dick about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I always used to just, you know, try and keep my head together and have a good laugh with people in the team room. And they, I think they used to be confused about why I was so happy about not being picked, you know? Yeah. Because I, I always tried to keep a level head about uh, where I was and, and, and uh, you know, I never let it get me, really. Uh, do you remember your first cap? Or, yeah, what, you, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you do, but what do you remember yeah. about it? Um, yeah, I was in the, in the squad from the... From the when I... Turned up at the squad. I knew straight away Alan Wynn was injured. He'd, he'd done his t- uh, toe in at the time. Bradley was injured. So looking around, I was like, oh, here we go. This is the time it's, it's going to happen, you know. And yeah. uh, it, and it did. I, I got capped against Scotland. I had seven minutes at the end of the game. And if you watch it, it was the most, it was the maddest seven minutes of my life. I chased everything. I tackled everything. I even had a turnover. And, um, oh, well done. 
<laughs> but the night out was, uh, you know, when, when I got picked to Wales, I always imagined walking into walkabout after the game. Yeah. I, after, yeah. I, you know, that's just the way I was. Like, it was never, um, <laughs> it was never um, anything else than that, really. I imagine playing for Wales and going out to Cardiff in walkabout and having the, the country sort of embracing me as a, yeah. a hero. Finding a future wife, like. And it, and it happened. <laughs> And it happened as well because I went in to walk about that night, and um, you know I, I didn't put my hand in my pocket. <laughs> I'm, I've said this before, Lou. I remember a, um, now you 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 struck up a, a strange friendship with Geth and Jenkins because I, I say it's strange um, because yeah. it bloody is. Um, but yeah, um, you know he's he's like a moody, grumpy, yeah, want to speak, yeah. and you're you're complete opposite. But yeah. he's he's not been playing before because he's been injured. Mm. Yet he's come out after on a night out and put mm. on his full number ones to make it look like he's part of the squad. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. yeah, yeah, mate. Relentless. Yeah. Relent- um, but how, how, do you, how do you and, uh, and Geth get um, on? I mean, well, how, how do you meet? How do you form a friendship? Because uh, so many boys yeah. text me saying it's just bizarre, but yeah. opposites yeah, I can, I, I can ima- Yeah, I can imagine because I've had people in the squads, you know, uh, spending time with him and he is grumpy he is miserable um, I don't know really and has he got a really sensitive a, side as well that we don't know about let me give you a little insight in, into it then so I went to a, a training camp in Poland with Wales mm-hmm. which was uh, absolutely brutal I can't describe it any other way it was mm-hmm. early mornings late nights training no, no junk food which uh, I really enjoyed junk food and uh, there was nowhere to get junk food but my mother had packed a dairy milk fruit and nut in my bag, oh. a share a share bar. And one night, Gethin was my Gethin was my roommate. <laughs> Gethin was my roommate. And um, when you get the roommate lists, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, I'm with him." Or "No, I'm with him." And I just picked the list up. I looked at Gethin. He looked at me. We didn't really say much. And um, I got to the room after about four days. You know, there's still no break of character from him. He was still sitting there, sort of mumbling to himself, and you know, doing his old thing. And then. One night, we, we, we were both broken after rugby. I cracked open this bar of dairy milk fruit and I put it in the middle of the beds. And the next thing you know, I'm telling you, that that tough exterior, like this, the way he is, uh, it definitely changed when I pulled that chocolate bar out. And he has got a beautiful smile. It sounds like, <laughs> it, sounds like it sounds like the Wrigley Spearmint gum advert where you're on a bus and he pulls it out as his last one. He shares it with a girl opposite. And <laughs> yeah. End up yeah it, did, it was a bit surreal. But yeah, that's, and then all of a sudden, then he, and don't forget, I, I couldn't get away from it, the experience of the guy. I needed him to show me how to be around this international environment. Yeah. Because I was just a bit, like you say, Bradley's a big kid. I'm just the same. And I was walking around. I, I didn't really understand that that training camp was basically a, uh, you know, a, a test to see if I could cope. Yeah. A mental Did test. Did you pass it? Did you pass the test? No, I got dropped on the last day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Uh, you and Nugget both got cut. Yeah, we got cut. Yeah, I, had this, nice I had this thing like, I don't know if you ever had something like this, but it was like, because I was always dicking around as well and having a laugh and whatever. And it's like, I wanted to play, you know, but I got a lot of injuries. But there were also times when I was fully fit and wasn't picked. That's the reality of it. So it's like, I was around and I was dicking about and it's like, they haven't picked me and I'm gutted and go out to training and warm up and get through it and fire in. Then afterwards at dinner, it's like, why am I going <clears> to <throat> sit and sulk? Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit with the lads and sulk. I'm going to enjoy my life and enjoy my career. And then, 
we had these these have these stats so you had your gps and your heart rate and stuff and it, again same thing it was basically like um output level stats and it was like this is how hard this person has tried today basically so what they did was they gave us what they called they said this is going to be a nine out of ten session or a ten out of ten session it's going to be very very difficult it's going to be long a lot of fitness and they basically had i forget it was at the top i think it was um it might even be in one of his really early sessions, Stefan Armitage and I were right at the top of basically it, it. You couldn't quite work out whether it's who's tried the hardest or who's found it the hardest, basically. It was a similar thing. And I basically got taken aside by one England coach and said, you need to stop dicking around. You're just happy to be here having a laugh. And it's about getting picked. And I remember saying, mate, look at the wall. Like I am trying my ass off. I literally could not try anymore. I thought my eyeballs were going to pop out. I've scrummaged really well. I've lifted well. My running's what I've done really, really well. He goes, you've always got an answer for everything, haven't you, you smart Alec? I was like, well, okay, <laughs> you're telling me I'm not trying. I'm t- the proof is there that I am, and you're calling me a smart ass and sending me home. So it's like, yeah. well, yeah. Should, which I should I sometimes wonder if I should have just kept quiet. But I, got to, I remember getting knocked down a peg or two at, when we were young at Saracen's Flat, and I remember um, we used to have Tim Wright and Yatesy. So Tim Wright was like assistant coach. Yatesy was um, fitness coach, and... Um, we're, we're messing around at lunchtime, sat down, having a laugh. I'm in the middle of telling the jokes. So I'm, I'm flying, I'm sharp. And uh, Yates comes out and says, oh, Shanks, can, um, can you come in and have a meeting at 12.45? I said, mate, can you make it quarter to one? And he goes, <laughs> he just looks at me, right? And I go in there and I'm like laughing around and stuff. And they go, Shanks, you're amazing at table tennis. Um, <laughs> but we're going to put you out on loan. I'm like that. <laughs> um, just because attitude wasn't great um so yeah basically i didn't change um just got selected <laughs> in the first team because of an injury and uh, they couldn't do anything about it but <laughs> yeah it's true i i, it I really by surprise had, yeah, like that. And Wright did that to me as well they got me into yates's little office yeah and said you bowling around like you know and it's like it's a change number one at table tennis not at rugby <laughs> what's going on yeah, but I was like, oh, it was weird because I was 18, 18, and I was getting picked every week, right? First of all, I got picked because there was injuries. Then they were legitimately picking me. I only played about 10 games, and they're like, you, you're rolling around, bowling around here like you own the place. I was like, no, I'm not. My dad yeah, does. You know, I said, I'm just having fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be in a team much longer. I was like, okay. I, but I, was, I remember saying in the meeting, I, was got, I looked at Tim Wright, I said, you gave me man of the match on Sunday. No, you've always got an answer. (laughs) You're telling me I played really well. Like, okay, everything's fine. So it's knock you down a peg or two. And then uh, Powell, uh, Matt Powell, this uh, scrum half we used to play with, he used to do this thing to Yatesy where he walked past his office and he just poked his head in and said, two minutes, yeah, Yatesy? And Yatesy never knew what he meant. He said, yeah, 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 sure. Okay, fella, yeah. Walked in and goes, Yatesy, two minutes, yeah, back with you. And he's like, yeah, okay, fella. And he got out and apparently walked out, got in his car and drove home after lunch. <laughs> but I just pissed myself and they told me to get out. Like, get out. Okay. What, um, have you any bollockings from coaches, Lou? Yeah, I, more or less. Every coach I've been under, not say bollocking, but they, they'd say, you know, like you say, you're always, you're always dicking about it. I, think, I just think it, what I sort of got out of it in the end was I don't think they like players having attention. Because I always used to get like a suit, like a, in the blues especially the scarlets i was a bit more sheepish because you know i had to work my way into the ranks a bit and i wouldn't dare uh, go up against some of the old reds but in the blues i sort of had a it was a corner where after training we, we used to go in and sit and talk about how shit everything was and um i got pulled up a few times down the blues just saying look they they sort of the conversation goes we're not asking you to change who you are but you need to change who you are 
that was the sort of comments I used to get a lot, you know. And it's it's fine yeah. when you're winning, but you know when you're losing, you know you're not, you, you know they, they, it's like they want you to change your personality, but you know your personality is your personality. I mean, you know you were, you were sort of groomed in a way by in a in a personality way by Vernon Cooper. So you you know you're always going to be sort of larger. Also, than life. You, you are who you are, and it's like you, you can't expect everyone to be Johnny Wilkinson and be massive output. No, you don't. It doesn't take any managing because he's just the best. He's just a, a wonderful bloke. But it, you're never going to get forty of those. But I remember Lou, you know, like being told by Phil Keith Roach, as the old England scrum coach, saying, "Don't change who you are. You'll never forgive yourself. Just enjoy your time here." But then going on, getting getting a phone call from the England management saying, "We're not going to take you on this trip because we think you're too busy dicking around on TV and all that sort of stuff." And I'm like, "What?" So I fired back a bit and they were like, okay, you're right. We understand your point. These are men I've played with, you know, good. They were kind of mates, you know, and I was like, you know me better than that. And they take me on the tour. And after the tour, the end of the tour, I get, I have a chat with the England coaches and they're like, you know, flats, we're really impressed. I was 30 by this point and Mm. they're really good blokes. They were really impressed with your attitude. And, you know, when we're doing full contact and breakdown, you were the first to put your hand up and stick your head in. I was like, mate, we all do that. I've been doing that since I was 18. This isn't new. Mm. Yeah, but sometimes you can get the impression that you're just dicking around. I was like, no, you, no, I'm not, without sounding like a no, I'm not bench pressing 200 kilos because I'm dicking around because I work my ass off. I'm not yeah. still here after all these surgeries because I'm dicking around. I'm working my ass off. I just like to have fun. And I think some coaches can be a bit guilty. We all can of just wanting everyone to slot into a certain personality type, but it doesn't work, does it? No, definitely not. I, I'm the same though. I, I would always have these meetings with coaches about oh, change this, change that. And don't get me wrong, if it was uh, uh, from a performance perspective and I would try my best to alter things, but the same coaches then have pulled me in and said, everyone's a bit down, you know, can you, you know, sort of have a little pep talk before training and, and say yeah. something to pick us up? So I wouldn't know where, where that was coming or going half the time. Yeah. yeah. What's my role? Chief motivator or enforcer? Bum tapper. Yeah. <laughs> bum tapper. <laughs> but I bum tap. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, well, listen, Lou. Thanks for uh, thanks for picking up the phone. Finally, we yeah. get a good connection, and, yeah. uh, and we get you on. I mean, people don't know or need to know. It's taken like four attempts yeah. to get a clear line. But um, loving what you've done with your room, loving the memorabilia. I mm. I sat on people say I've I've altered this shit. I have a backdrop just in case you saw me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but good luck now with with everything going on, and uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Cheers, Lee. Appreciate having you. Bye-bye. Keep going, mate. Keep being you, all right? Don't change for anyone. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pep talk, yeah? Bye. Hambo, hello. Thanks for coming on our podcast. Um, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad at all, thanks. Uh, it's um, It's been, a, obviously, a strange um, scenario for everybody at the moment. But I'm very fortunate to live in rural Leicestershire and uh, have a have a garden that I can get out and about to. So yeah, very fortunate in that way. So it's uh, it's not been bad at all, really. Um, how's um, I'm interested to know how lockdown has been for you, but also uh, for business because of course you spend a lot of time raising a lot of money for a lot of people that need it. So has it, um, of course. It's all, you know, all these things are relative, but has it sort of affected fundraising hugely? Yeah, lockdowns. Um, lock, lockdown for me has uh, been been a bit strange, a bit of an emotional roller coaster in the, in the fact that you, you just don't know when it's going to end. And yeah, I think it's been like that for a lot of people. Um, 
you feel uh, I, I also feel that a number of our beneficiaries are in a um, in a bit of a predicament really in the fact that they're obviously going to self isolate but they're, they're, they're also on their own and um, to be on their own without see without any human interaction it must be so so difficult and I do, I do feel really really sorry for them and that they've obviously not been able to see people in the in the flesh obviously we've got technology now which um, has uh, has uh, helped everybody um, but yeah I think that's that's uh, that's a real hard scenario to be in I think to Ham- be, to Hambo. Be on your own and self-isolating or on your own Hambo it's Shanks here um, people Hi. people that might not know about what you do and uh, and what you've set up can you just give them a little bit of a explanation um, as to what get busy living does and uh, and what you're trying to achieve by it yeah so I, I was very fortunate when I had my accident back in 2005 um, to have that tremendous support from the rugby community and um, yeah, I was, just, I was very fortunate to, to have that support and wanted to keep the momentum going when I was in a position where I could start helping other people. So we yeah. set up the, the Matt Hampson Foundation, uh, which supports young people seriously injured through sport, uh, not, this, not this rugby. And um, yeah, we, we uh, basically set up the foundation and yeah, the, it's evolved and, and moved on. Uh, over the years and the support that I've received I'm just so so lucky to still have that support and still have that backing from a lot of people um, especially the rugby fraternity really and um, we we uh, basically got offered a, a very generous offer to have a old derelict aircraft hangar and um, we turned it into the the uh, Get Busy Living Centre where we, yeah, can support people even more than what we did initially. Yeah, from what I understand, I mean, you, you talk it up, Hambo, but it sounds like it might be a bit of a piss up there most days. So um, <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine you're quite keen to get that reopened. Has that had to shut down the whole time or is it is there partially yeah. open? Is, it, is, it, is, there a, is there an opening coming? Yeah, my liver's had a bit of a break. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're yeah we we really um, yeah it it's um, it's really difficult because obviously our priority is to to make sure that our beneficiaries are being looked after and make sure that they they're not going to catch any of the catch the virus or anything like that. But um, yeah, we we also I feel that we have like an obligation to keep in contact with our beneficiaries yeah. because it uh, for a lot of them it's a lifeline coming to the center the the gym upstairs is uh, um, really really important but the downstairs space is uh, even more important I feel to, to have that social interaction and talk to people mm. in a similar situation and and uh, share experiences you rely I, I'd imagine um, correct me if I'm wrong on, on a lot of events um, to raise money because at events people buy tables you have speakers um, auctions raffles a lot with, with everything going on with COVID-19 are you looking I mean how are you looking to sort of keep that fundraising going during times like this uh, we're, we're pretty fortunate really we're, we're in pretty good shape um, 
compared to a lot of other charities, yeah. uh, we we had a massive um, we had a massive fundraiser um, just before all this kicked off uh, back in February, and uh, we we had a uh, annual Six Nations dinner at Battersea Evolution, yeah. and uh, we we were supported by Eddie Jones and and the um, the England squad. Uh, so so we're very fortunate that obviously we we got the money in for that. We we did have that money sort of earmarked for a hydrotherapy pool, um, but obviously that's had to go towards uh, paying wages and 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 supporting our beneficiaries. Um, so yeah, the, we we we're very fortunate that we we uh, got that money in, and uh, we um, you know we we can. Have have uh, we can have that money um, go towards paying wages and and, and supporting our beneficiaries. So, am I, am yeah, I right it's, um, thinking. Um, oh, sorry, I'm interrupting you there. Go on. No, 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 carry on. I was going to say, was that the dinner at Battersea where Austin Healy had a really awkward Q and A with Eddie Jones? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Austin, I'd be there. Uh, outspoken as ever, and uh, yeah, he uh, yeah put. Um, put Eddie on sort of um, on the back foot really uh, which was slightly awkward but uh, I found it quite entertaining Are we saying that Austin won this one on one with Eddie Jones then or was it or did Eddie come back and hammer Austin I don't, I don't know I think Eddie Eddie uh, just came back with his usual sort of um, yeah his usual sort of dry wit really so um, I don't know yeah, I don't know if it was um, a Hambo yeah. dinner I don't know if it was one of your dinners, Hambo, but where Mark Durden-Smith um, genuinely felt like he was going to get filled in by Ellis Genge. I don't know if that was one of yours. That was at Battersea. It was. And, and, it and was. It, yeah. And he, he took you, it a bit uh, too far and Genji was going to deck him. Well, I think you can get away with it because you're obviously a big old uni, but also you're a, you're an ex-rugby player. And he's a uh, wimp. T- <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... So you can sort of get away with it with a lot of the boys. You've obviously got that banter and that sort of camaraderie and you almost like earn your stripes to talk to people that way. Um, yeah. But I don't think Mark, Dan and Smith could really get away with it. And Ellis Gaines <laughs> just didn't want to talk to him. I thought he was going to fill him in in the car park afterwards. So, um, yeah, it was a, was a strange old one. I wish he had. Well, yeah, that'd be, well, that could have been the entertainment, couldn't it? Oh, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, Hambo, tell us about, a little bit about about your lockdown, right? Because mine and Shanks' lockdowns have looked sort of similar in that we have talked quite a lot about achieving things, but we've actually just watched loads of telly. Um, Yeah. Have you ended up being a Netflix addict or are you doing something more constructive with your time? We've also been to McDonald's, by the way, just to let you know. Yeah, McAdee's as well. (laughs) I've I've, uh, completed Netflix. Um, and yeah. I've I've actually watched everything on there. Uh, it's 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 uh, difficult really because you you want to be as productive as possible. Some days you just wake up and you oh, really can't be asked. I really do not want to uh, really do not want to do anything today. But uh, you know, like I said, I'm very fortunate to have a garden and I can get out and about um, as much as possible. But I've, it it has been difficult for everybody, really. But you know, I I count myself in a very fortunate situation that I've got a care team and I've got a family around me. So yeah. um, you know, even though we do get pissed off with each other, we um we think rugby might be shown um, 
maybe July, maybe August. There's talk about games being shown in Wales now at the end of August and maybe the season start in October. Um, are you one of these guys that loves rugby still or are you too busy, sort of consumed in, in your work and what you do? Um, have you missed rugby? I do, I do. Um, I do love rugby. Yeah. Um, obviously to watch it, but to me it's not, it's not the be-all and end-all uh, to me now. Um, you see... I think um, you see our beneficiaries and you see uh, people from some all walks of life and backgrounds and whatever and it puts things in perspective really and and yeah I love rugby love the lads love the camaraderie and the banter around it but you know for me it's not the be all and end all now I think when I when I initially had my accident when I was 20 years old um, I thought my life was wasn't going to go on um, mm. And and yeah, um, I had to grow up very quickly, and and a lot of a lot of my mates were still in that sort of bubble of rugby, and still loving being a professional sportsman. And um, I think when you have a, a life-changing injury, um, yeah, you, it uh, yeah it puts things into perspective, and you do start to see um, you know outside of that bubble. Uh, and Hambo, uh, quite just so, just so we can be completely open and honest here, mate. Before we yeah. got you on live, I was uh, slagging you off a bit for being a Leicester mute. Um, I yeah. say slagging you off; you will take that as a compliment. Uh, but it's yeah. not; it's not meant as a compliment. All right, as long as you know that. But obviously, we we love the Tigers. You love the Tigers. Um, you're you're Tigers. You're Tigers to the core. Are you confident that you know with Geordie there and with us, with Steve with Borthers coming in, who's a legend and a man? You know, he's proved himself many, many times. Um, are you confident the Tigers can get back to the glory days and get back to being... They're a massive club, but getting back to being the high-performing team they were for such a long time? Yeah, they can. They can. It's just going to take a while. And I think we, the board needs to be patient with Geordie. And Geordie's definitely the right man. Uh, he's Tigers through and through. The fans absolutely love him. The players love him. Um, nobody's got. I don't think I know anyone who's got a bad word to say about Geordie. Uh, he's no. just such a such a great guy, and he's been a massive supporter of the foundation um, since since day one, really. Um, so yeah, he, he I I think he can definitely turn things around. He can definitely change things. It's just going to take a while. I really like uh, Steve Borthwick. Um, I've heard I've heard great things about him. I know that he's uh, very very thorough. Um, he's obviously um, not a Tigers man, uh, but I think he can sort of change change the way things are being done. And um, I think sometimes it's great to have an out, outsider looking in, really, uh, in that way. Uh, rugby's changed a hell of a lot. Um, over the years, and I, I think you you can't be um, you can't be like Cockers in the where, the way he used to be uh, in the fact that yeah. he used to like bollock into the lads and like um, just like lead by example. Not everybody is Richard Cockrell. Not everybody is an absolute psychopath. Aunt Middleton. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like he's done an absolutely amazing job um, up in Edinburgh, and he's and yeah. he's changed that around. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Geordie would do a great job, and I think Steve Borfoot will really complement everything that um, uh, um, everything that Tigers sort of 
stand for really in the, in the future really uh, but they do need to be patient i i do think that um tigers academy really struggled uh, for for quite a while and that sort of production line uh, ceased and i think that that has made a has made a, a big um big difference to tigers and i think they they also uh, signed too many sort of journeymen um and mm. i think um now they're now they've got the right guys in they they didn't look at the they just looked at the player rather than the actual person and mm. um i think the person is is massively important uh, with within any club and they've got to sort of add to the team but also sort of complement the team as well yeah i think you're right ambo and i think um you know, I'm it, as as a commentator and a pundit, an analyst, whatever you want to call us. You've got to be neutral, and every now and again, someone pops up, and it is really hard to be balanced about them. But you have to do it. The one person I'm the only person I've yet been worried about uh, not doing well is Steve Borthwick because I just I couldn't think more highly of him. I just couldn't, and I know him very well, and I couldn't think more highly of him. So I'm almost at the point where if things don't go right at Leicester with him there. I will automatically assume it's someone else's fault. So I've got to be careful and I've got to yeah. make sure I do my homework. But he's, he's such so good at his job, such a good bloke. I think you've signed an absolute winner there, mate. And um, I certainly Ambo, like, him. I certainly like him now that the scab's healed in his nose. Um, yeah, he yeah. He looks so less aggressive now. And like that scab Yeah, but mate, that blub was on my years. shorts for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, no, I agree. But my thing is, Can't, the, the outside of my right thigh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had an ear for 10 years and because I had his nose, but Bortha's blood was on the outside of my right thigh every week for about 10 years and it just covered in it. Um, so, yeah, Hambo, uh, glad to hear lockdown's going well for you. Glad to hear uh, the Hambo Foundation's in a good spot. Um, I'm sure you can't wait to get events going, raise, raise a load more cash for the people you help. I can't wait to be at some of those events. They're always, they're always great fun. Um, thanks so much for coming on, mate. You're a top man. Keep going and we, I reckon we'll see you pretty soon. Oh boy, sir. Thanks no, very much, Hambo. No worries. No worries. Good to, good Cheers, to mate. talk as always. Cheers, guys. Well Hambo. Keep chucking, Hambo. Ta da, mate. Bye, bye. bye. That was nice, wasn't it? Two nice fellas. Two lovely blokes, mate. It's the first time I've ever spoke to Matt Hampson. Obviously, I've spoken to a lot of the, the guys that work with him and for him, um, but never actually spoken to him. Um, yeah, he's great value. And, yeah, um, he is great. Proper value. Leicester mute. And what I always think is like about Hambo, I mean, I've done loads of stuff with Hambo over the years and um, went to see him actually when he was first in hospital with Dave Barnes and Danny Grucott. We went up there um, and he was even on great form then, to be honest. But it, you, you never know you never know how you're going to react to something like that. And you always hope that if something seismic like that happened in your life, you'd react amazingly. But I feel quite confident I wouldn't react as well as him. And you no. think, well... And it's not just like, well, get on with it. He has literally charged forward and made himself the most unbelievable bloke on behalf of other people. Like it just, when you go to his dinners and you see the people he helps and they come and talk, like went to one of his events and this this lad had um, had an accident and he couldn't walk. So he had robotic legs made for him. And unbelievable, right? Mm. So this guy's walking up on his robotic legs. But then he was a motocross rider and that was his passion. So they made him a specially adapted motocross bike got him on and he went motocross riding. It's, un it's unbelievable. Wow. Like Everyone's place is like, you are joking me. So I got him on stage and said, mate, you've had one accident. Why do you want to, he goes, why do you want to, I said, why do you want to get back on a motorbike for Christ's sake? He goes, well, 
can't get a lot worse, can it? Can't even feel it. So like, oh, brilliant. So it's kind of, and Hambo made all this happen. Like, uh, yeah. wicked bloke. Yeah. Wicked bloke. Oh, good. Well, I'm looking forward. I've had a couple of invites before to his um, dinner in the Battersea pub. But I've just had other things on, um, which I can't get yeah. out of. So um, I will, I do want to make it one day because they do sound like a great laugh. Yeah, they're loose. And mm. basically, oh. they're basically, they're I'm perfect. I'm they're in. massive. They're massive nights out and you sit with great people and everyone gets drunk and everybody gives money because it's just like, oh my God, you, you can have it. Whatever I've got, you can have it. It's brilliant. Um, Lou oh, Reed, I wish I'd played with Lou Reed. He's like Chris Chesney, but funny, mm, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish I'd played with him. What a, what a fun bloke. Yeah, although we didn't want us to see his face. Um, I mean, we went through loads of technical issues with him, um, with with his phone but eventually we found FaceTime audio worked but wasn't confident enough to look us in the eye was he not a bad looking bloke actually so it's not like he's some sort of freak show um no it's not like he belongs on the greatest showman although he'd probably get a part but. he he was you know decent looking bloke I thought he looked very well actually mm. um but there's something there's something not right there he wouldn't look us in the eye um uh, but I kind of like that someone who's a little bit off center yeah, uh, yeah, very funny. I enjoyed him. Oh, well good. done, Shanko, for sourcing him. Another, you're Welsh, mate. It's Another one for us to have a beer with after. We're going to, you know, this beer group is going quite high. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jason I know. Fox, Bubbins, Mike Bubbins, Steve Spears, Chris oh. Hoy. Well, they probably have a shake. <laughs> um, Lou Reed. Anyone yeah, else? The list is growing. Uh, Gary Powell, I think I'm having a beer with afterwards. Rory Bremner, one in just for years. the impressions. I wonder what his impression Rory of me Bremner. would be like. Uh, yeah, Bruce Springsteen wants a beer afterwards. It's going off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll. Um, I think we'll probably do another pod next week, won't we? Um, we'll yeah, we'll have to have an off season. We'll have to have an off season, recharge the batteries, you know what it's like, and maybe just have something to talk about. Because at the moment, yeah, exactly. There's zip going on in our lives. Yeah, correct. Oh. Um, apart from fastball, apart from fastball on Amazon Prime, it's really good. It's about the fastest okay. um, fastball thrown in baseball. Okay, I'll watch that. But uh, by the way. I've while I've been up here, I heard the um, recycling lorry come along. Realised I'd missed it, but we were talking to Lou Reed. Mm. Realised I've missed, put, forgot to put the recycling out. Lost track of days. Bad. That's bad. The bad news. The good news is I need to go to the tip, don't I? Oh, a bit of time to yourself. It's going to take me four hours. I'm going so tomorrow, mate. I had to book in though online, um, eight thirty. So mm. big day for I'm me as well. Around here. Good luck to you. Who I'm doesn't, lo- who doesn't love? Tomorrow. Who doesn't love a tip run and going to the butchers? Oh, oh yeah. no, man! Anyway, right, hey, or woman? Uh, I've got a charity bike ride tomorrow. I'll tell you what about it next week? Okay. All take, right. Take well done, care, fellas. Dave. Bye. And ladies, what well a fella boy. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.